Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, everyone. This is Jason Kebler, the host of Radio Motherboard. Last weekend, we did our very first ever live podcast at the Work by Work on-air festival at Wythe Hotel. We are very, very excited that we got the chance to do it, and I want to give a big shout-out to Laura Feinstein, who invited us, and to Scott Newman, who put on the festival. You can check them out at workbywork.com or wxwonair.com. Again, that's workbywork.com or wxwonair.com. What follows is a recording from that day, which was Sunday, February 12th, And thank you, everyone, for listening. And we hope to do a lot more of these in the future. So if you like it, please tell your friends. Please rate us on iTunes. This is Radio Motherboard, live from Brooklyn. You're listening to Work by 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 Work on air. Welcome back. You're listening to Work by Work on Air, our four-day live streaming radio lounge set in the White Hotel in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, where we are exploring creativity and storytelling in all its forms. Over the last three days, we have had a series of intimate conversations with some of today's most innovative organizations, artists, activists, writers, musicians, and thinkers in the ever-relevant medium of freeform radio. For those in NYC, please join us at the White Hotel, 80 White Avenue in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. Everyone else can tune in and listen at workxworkonair.com or whitehotel.com. Um, I'm here right now with the folks at Motherboard and Motherboard Adjacent uh, for, for their podcast. Um, when do you guys all like to just go around and introduce yourself? And Yeah, this is Radio Motherboard, our first live episode ever. I'd like to thank all of the paid plants in the audience. <laughs> thank you, guys. And, uh, fake news. Yeah, fake news. So when we first started this podcast, it was like two years ago, and we were in this small room across the street from here. And now we've made it all the way to the White Hotel across the street. Same crew. We have Chris O'Coin. Would you like to talk, say who you are? Yes, uh, Chris O'Coin, uh, video editor at Vice, uh, frequently at Motherboard, but across all properties. Starting as <laughs> <yeah>, subdued. <laughs> um, We've got Derek Mead, who is our editor-in-chief, Hello. and our dad. He's yes. here to make sure that we don't uh, anger anyone. <laughs> I'm anyone's father, if you want me to be, yeah. so that uh, I'm available any time of day for fatherhood. Yeah, And then we have uh, Adrian, Adrian Jeffries, who is 
uh, Motherboard's Hello. ex-managing editor and is now an editor at The Outline. Can you yes. tell us what The Outline is? The Outline is a news website. Check it out. Yeah, it's very good. <laughs> so uh, I wanted to talk about, like, when you were managing editor, uh, we had this mantra at Motherboard to always remain vigilant. And I think that that's more important now than ever. And I'm wondering, A, what does it mean to be vigilant and where did that come from? So we were trying to figure this out earlier and the conclusion was that the phrase itself was sort of emergent. We couldn't pin it down to like one funny story where it came up. We should have been more vigilant about this story. We should have, yeah. We should have kept better (laughs) records. But the ethos is about healthy skepticism, healthy paranoia, uh, trust no one, the truth is out there. We also toss those in every now and then. Mm-hmm. Those things are healthy all the time. Yes. I don't think you need to describe them as healthy. Yeah, okay. I think the, oh, that uh, was redundant. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, I think it's the, uh, the DNA of Motherboard has always been to just say, like, we, you can't take anything at face value um, unless you can find out for yourself. And we always try to get hands-on with everything that we're doing to see what's real and what isn't. And that's become very timely lately. Um, but yeah, vigilance is definitely a, uh, a lifestyle where you start to make sure that you just are always have your uh, ass covered at any moment of day. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a really drives through for us for everything, just to try to be secure and safe and know exactly what is going on and not take a leap on things that are important. And to know exactly what's in the water. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so <laughs> you're running an Infowars type thing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's all an Infowars right. scam. Um, so when we talk about being vigilant, mm-hmm. what would like as journalists? I think that means trying our best not to run fake news or never running fake news. Yeah. Uh, you know, doing right by our readers, finding the sort of populist uh, angle to our stories to talk about how this, like this. Um, how a particular news story will impact the average person. But if you, we are average people as well in our everyday lives, what sorts of uh, vigilance do you practice? Exceedingly average. Um, I think uh, the main thing, uh, especially when we're talking about, you know, reporting and whatnot or writing a story, it's so easy to just for anyone to make an assumption about anything, especially because the world is so complicated now that it's impossible for anyone to understand anything anymore um, in its entirety. So it's easy to say, like, well, I assume that this is happening, so then you just treat it as fact and build off an assumption that is a foundation of something you're not sure is actually there. So that's probably what we're trying to do, and I'm always trying to do in my day-to-day life, is just not take anything at face value and say, what do we actually know is out there? What is something that's actually constructive in terms of constructive knowledge versus just assuming that whatever everyone is pissed off about today is actually something to worry about? So questioning everyone including yourself. Yes, I question myself often, but I don't know if that's what we want to get into today. (laughs) So, with the always be vigilant thing, it was like, so motherboards, tech and science, and I still concentrate on tech and science in my current job, and vigilance in tech and science reporting is, uh, I think, especially unusual because tech reporters tend to get really excited about technology because it is exciting and cool and Silicon Valley has this cool culture and everybody has an iPhone and apps on their iPhone and people are pumped about that and so it was a good reminder to be like slow down is is this corporation really just giving us a cool thing or is there more going on here and with science coverage it's just uh, it's like very easy to overstate 
um, a finding or get something wrong when you're doing science reporting. So I think that uh, originally the motto was like about the tech and science, but it's it's become clear that it's applicable more broadly. Right. I think in uh, tech journalism especially, there's su- there has been such a history of access journalism. Like if you are very into Uber, Uber will give you the first ride in their driverless cars, and then you start sort of questioning what is going to happen with the drivers of these driverless cars, and you may lose that access. And I think it's really important now as we have a, an administration that is trying to control its message in a way that we haven't seen in quite a while uh, to you know, think about what is the real story here. What If these stories are coming out, why are they coming out in the way that they are? Is it because you know, because of this access, or is it because, uh, you know, that is the actual story? Right, and I think one more thing with that is that a lot of reporters started covering Facebook and Uber when they were little weeny-teeny startups, and they felt like Uber's the underdog, Facebook is, like, the underdog, they're, like, trying to disrupt the established order, and so that was the prejudice. And then now Uber and Facebook are both giant mega-billion-dollar companies with, like, tons of tentacles and global influence and you just have to like apply a different standard of skepticism. And I think also riffing on that is just the idea too that there is actually truth out there. There are actual truths and facts out there. You made me think when you're talking about science. There was a story from a few years ago that everyone everyone's filling their diapers about fucking fake news and shit. These days are a terrible term because it's so vague and could just be for anything. But there's a really great uh, famous science story from a few years ago where everyone reported that some guy, an astronomer, had uh, said that there's conclusive evidence that dinosaurs exist on other planets. And it was because he had actually written this in the very back of a paper, and it was like kind of a joke, where he's talking about, in the infinite possibilities of the universe, there's probably a planet somewhere that still has dinosaurs on it. Right. And it was like he's an in-joke for astronomers. Yeah, just being fun, right? And uh, everyone in the world wrote about this. Dinosaurs on fucking planet whatever, planet Y. And it was ridiculous. And the reason why is because people now assume that that's just something that we should go find, rather than thinking that in the limitless possibility of the world that something could be out there, right? And right. it was so it's not fake, it's not untrue, but the entire way that it's portrayed is false. And that's what we always are trying to think is like when we're talking about vigilance, it's saying what is actually the nugget of truth in any of this stuff? Because it's so easy for everyone to build off of some everyone sort of fake lies. premise. Yeah. yeah, I was gonna say like whenever a, a, a new study comes mm-hmm. out, people it seems like something you guys deal with frequently in editorial is people yeah. get what they want out of it and then create some bullshit headline that then gets parroted by a bunch of other uh, outlets, and yeah. it's it's like a giant mess. Like so, well, yeah, that was another thing for us as well. It's just like if we're going to report something, let's report it ourselves because there's so many people just stay. Oh, someone else said something, and they build on that, and they build on it, build on it, and that's how stuff loses the thread. You know, it's not fake or it's not made up. There is fake news out there, but it's more just like people taking assumptions and building on them, building on them, building on them, and then it gets worse and worse. I feel right? like motherboards kind of got like that market cornered on going like here's what this study actually fucking said you know listen up you chuckleheads that's what we say yeah i think for me personally uh after trump won i had to sort of re-examine what i'm writing about and what how i'm going to cover it um and that's just because now everything seems like you have to view everything through the trump lens you have to view the future through the trump lens and there's like so many angles of uh coverage right now like Things are just flying at us from all over the place, and it's been hard to determine like what is actually important, what should we 
you know, actually write about or spend our time researching because, you know, this stuff can't be, if you're doing in-depth reporting, it takes longer than two seconds to, to actually do it. So I'm wondering how have you, uh, Derek, how have you decide what is worth covering and what is not? Uh, well, first, I want everyone to applaud us because we managed the last 15 minutes before mentioning Trump, so that's pretty good. Oh, yeah, I uh, lost the game. Yeah, good <laughs> yeah, yeah. We had a bet going, and Chase had just lost, so thank you. But um, now it's just now, yeah, 45, 45 minutes, minutes of Trump. Minutes. Trump yeah. has been broken. Yeah. It was a card joke. Yeah, I think... Uh, I like that game. I think the best thing to keep in mind for Trump is we're in day 23, I think, of his presidency, and there's four years of that, you know? That's a lot. Um, he is... Maybe. Okay. <laughs> Put a fucking asterisk next to yeah. <laughs> This isn't the Barry Bonds Michael home Flynn is going to be in a federal prison in like a, a week, so... <laughs> All right, Chris. <laughs> um... Well, okay, so Chris before, before the black helicopters start flying after <laughs> yeah, us... I don't know. Uh, Sorry, yeah. guys, i gotta, I got to get out of here so yeah, you can yeah, cash my price, check from George The price Soros. of freedom is eternal vigilance, and I'm going to get out of here now. Um, but no, the thing to deal with him is people uh, love to have many opinions on Trump. The one thing that is definitely true about him is he is a media savant. He, like, understands how to hack the media in a level, like, three layers above anyone else, and he's always good at it. And one thing... He's got like a 30-year track record of it, too. So what he does is he's always just throwing fucking smoke bombs and chaos and everything out there, and everyone is chasing after Can I just ask they... a quick question yeah. about that? Yeah. Is he, or yeah. is he just an idiot that runs his mouth? No, no, no. I mean, I like say a savant platform. because I don't know that he has a plan, but it just naturally happens. Yeah. It's unbelievable. He's on. He's working on. He's playing chess game in three dimensions. I don't want to give him that much credit. That's no. everyone's favorite analogy. Really? Chess game in three. Yeah. Damn it. That's, cool. that's very cliche. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna start <laughs> blushing now. It's okay. It it's okay. But no, the point is, he's throwing all the shit all the time. His whole administration is throwing shit. It's partly because they seem like uh, they have no idea what's going on. I mean, all of the reporting that's coming out now is that they can't even find the light switches, which is hilarious. But. Um, yeah, so he's throwing all this stuff out, and so what you have to do is rather than chasing that, and you like you go on Twitter and you just look at people that are freaking out constantly about whatever happened most recently, and just constant straight state of just chaos. What you have to do instead is identify what you think is probably the most important stuff for motherboard. That would be what are the most important things to tech and science-minded young people that are, care about the future, and then talk about that and get ahead of it and say, we need to start talking about what we think is ma- what matters, because it's going to come up on the chopping block eventually. But you already saw that with public lands, and they're trying to sell off half of America to whoever, talking about oil pipelines, talking about it with jobs and automation, everything that matters is going to come up in the next four years. So rather than trying to be reactive, I think it's important to try to just be proactive and cut off uh, what you can chew best. Right, Adrian, how have you attacked this at the outline? So the outlines didn't... The outline, uh, actually, we're trying to figure out how we can mix it up because we've been doing so much Trump. It's hard to feel like any other story is important when uh, he's causing so many changes that have drastic effects. Um, So we have been trying to basically do the same thing, get in front of stories and not just be reactive to a tweet. We um, are trying to make sure that we don't drop stories once the latest disaster comes up. What do you and, mean by that? Like, uh, if you if you start writing about one 
executive order and then a new like crazier sex sexier like scarier executive like if he order attacks nordstrom yes like like, <laughs> like the attack on nordstrom um then we have a really small team we only have like five editorial people or something like that so we don't have the ability to cover every single story that comes out so we have to be really choosy about what we're staying on top of in order that we can give it the attention it deserves. And then we're also trying to give our audience some relief by writing about things other than Trump, which has been difficult. But that's that's basically the strategy. This is where we should talk about that DJ Rashad <laughs> YouTube good, video. Yes, tell us about that. Uh, just all, everyone at home so we can have a, a moment of levity. Uh, go on YouTube. Search for "Shea Go" Derek's by DJ Rashad, and it has. A, I'm already getting shouts from it's the back. It's fantastic, yeah. but uh, it's just it's just stock footage. It's aliens. I think I think the people are aliens. We're gonna get into aliens a little bit later, but yeah. just anyway, everyone take a few minute, pause this, go like palate cleanser, clean out your brain, and then we'll dive back in. Everyone so. in the audience, pull out your phones. We'll, can, yeah. I, can I ask a, a relevant question? Do people want relief? Because you see, yeah. uh, Stephen Colbert was first in the ratings over Fallon, I think, last week, for the first time since he launched, because all he does now, like he used to do, is political humor. And it's worked out really well for him. And everybody who is doing that mm-hmm. is seeing a ratings boost. Samantha B, John Oliver, who comes back tonight, actually, he's been off the air since the election. Yeah. But, like, this is, uh, this is like a new... I, I mean, I don't know if it's healthy. It's what people want, I think. Mm-hmm. But like you saw um, the Obama staffers launch uh, Crooked Media because of the Trump election. And they've been like wildly successful already. Yeah. They're the guys who did Keeping It 1600 yeah. before this. This but. is a good point. I, I, do, I think there are some people who are ready to go 100% politics. Others who are not ready for that. And I think just in the interest of like making sure that like, this is what I don't understand about Alex Jones is that every day he just this keeps, is what you don't understand he just about keeps escalating the crisis. It's like Obama's secret plan to get rid of the First Amendment. It's like, where do you go from there? That's like, well, that's now, like maximum FUD. Alien dinosaurs. There's, but, no, there's no space. Yeah. yeah. So he, yeah. He, I think like mixing it up between the terror is good for your ability to process the terror. Mm-hmm. And also, and I'm not talking about like... Serious. I mean, I'm talking about like a couple stories out of ten a day, yeah. non-Trump. Well, let's like, get, we're doing let's get Trump a very day. let's get in a very scientific informal poll here. Uh, everyone in the room, just raise your hand do if you, you would love to read some non-Trump shit from yeah, time to time. Do you need relief from Trump? Yeah. Okay. There's Personally, like, there's like a significant so number of hands yeah. in this room. Many people are saying there's lots of hands in the room. I would yes. love to yes. not. <laughs> everyone is saying it. Saying. <laughs> Fake news. Everyone is laughing. Every single person in the room is laughing. Standing ovation. All for of 10 Brooklyn minutes. is having a chuckle right now. I feel great. I, I would so, love so wait, to. So if you're listening at home, imagine we're on a stage. There are hundreds, stage. thousands of people yeah. surrounding us. Yeah. And they're all cheering. Yeah. Well, so what I'm going to say though is everyone raise their hand because it's nice to have some non-Trump stuff from time to time. But I'll say this. We all have a variety of tools to see how many people are reading our website at any one time. It's incredibly stressful. People fucking love Trump stories, no matter what. This is what Every I was going to say. It's insane. It's a- so I think that everyone is lying to themselves, or we're in some sort of like insane like stress vortex. Yeah, people are slowly co- yeah. spiraling down the whirlpool, and everyone's just going to melt. We would love like, to not want yeah. to read Trump yes. shit. 
but you can't help it when the fucking country is on fire. Yeah, well, this is where, this is, I think, where we get to a false ideal of vigilance, where you think that you have to, the only way to make a difference is to pay attention to everything. Well, yeah. And that's when you burn yourself out. You gotta and go to bring see it back John Wick, to, too. Well, you gotta take some time to go see John Wick, too. Right, pause, everyone, <laughs> let's get home, the, pause and this, then, go see John Wick, too. We're gonna come yeah. back. We'll still be here. Yeah, and then, and then, fi- and then yeah. while you're watching it, like sweating nervously, mm. find the political parallels. Yeah. In the yeah. film. I would love yeah. to read the John Wick 2 think pieces. I'd like out. everyone to write a five-page essay, please, and come back. Um, but no, to go back to what you were saying about the outline and having a small staff, uh, Motherboard has always had a small staff, too, and I think that's part of the power is that you have to say, if we don't have enough resources to cover everyone and cover everything, let's only pick the stuff that makes a difference, and that actually focuses you in is way less stressful. You know, I mean, the New York Times has like 1,200 people in their newsroom, and they have to cover everything, and it must just be insane there. But being able to pick and choose stuff that you actually, from a reporting sense, can actually have a difference in terms of advancing the story, finding new information, and in a personal sense, finding things you care about that you can actually have an impact on, I think is way more important than just like the total perspective vortex of like, I have to see everything at once because like, oh shit, something happened. No, I know. I, yeah. I I have like a serious problem with wanting to watch and read Trump stuff constantly, and uh, I woke up this morning and watched the shows, like the Sunday morning talk shows. And this is not something I used to. I used to wake up on Sunday morning and be like, ah, beautiful Sunday, listen to a record, or yeah. drink some coffee. But now I'm watching Steve Miller fucking shout at George Stephanopoulos, and like, <laughs> if, which if anybody hasn't watched yet. You thought Kellyanne yeah. Conway was something. <laughs> Get ready for fucking Stephen Miller. Well, I think Derek is right in that there is this sort of collective anxiety. Yeah, for once you're right. Um, there's this collective anxiety and people just like are getting on Twitter and Facebook and like like hitting F5 over and over and over again, like obsessively. I know I am. And I'm like, oh, what is happening now? What is happening now? What podcast can I listen to next? Like Radio Motherboard. Radio Motherboard would be a good one. Um, <laughs> I see you like uh, Zuckerberg at the end of the social network just hitting F5. That's me. Like, that's yeah. me. Like, the second I wake up right before I go to sleep. And I think a lot of people are probably room. doing this. Like, what is the latest? I, I took a vacation to Costa Rica last week, and I... Uh, I know, yeah. Well, I just wanted to, I just wanted to uh, shout out to my leisure time. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I was uh, refreshing Twitter when there were, like, protests at the, uh, at the airports because I was like, this, is, uh, this feels like an important moment. And I think, you know, not every moment of the next four years is going to be important. So I think we need to pick and choose when to uh, take a step back and be like, I'm going to live my life and not be yeah. in a constant state of, uh, like, heightened anxiety. I think that's a good idea. Adrian, what's your relationship with Twitter these days? Twitter and I are all right. We patch things up. That's good. We, you were, guys have we were on the rocks for a while. Um, yeah, Twitter, Twitter and I are all right. I also got a bunch of... I sent in for a bunch of breaking news alerts, apps which is also interesting just to see what different organizations consider worthy of a breaking news alert. Um, But uh, I was... You made me think, Derek, when you said, like, the... What did you say? The false illusion of vigilance? The false promise of vigilance. where, Where you think you're, like, paying attention to everything, which is impossible, which made me think of the encryption debate about... uh. Like, basically, Trump gets elected and all the people in the encryption community, these are, like, geeks who are into secure email and secure messaging, are like, we told you so, now your threat model is Trump in control of the NSA. Like, here are 
all of the things that you have to do to upend your life in order to live an encrypted life. And so I was wondering if we were going to get to, if we were going to discuss that. No, we're just going okay. to move right, past cool. it. Just checking. No. <laughs> I, uh, I have been a little more careful, especially with my sources. I mean, I don't know how uh, relevant this is to normal people, but as a powerful and famous journalist, I need to protect my uh, sources. <laughs> And so, I, I mean, I've tried, I've been using Signal a lot more often. I've been using PGP encryption, GPG, etc. cetera. Um, Question which, about Signal for you. Did you find the day after Trump got elected, myself and a lot of other people I know downloaded Signal and signed up and activated it? And people would hit me up and be like, oh, you're on here too sick. What's up? Like, and then I, two people I know still use it. And everyone else stopped and went back to uh, iMessage. Yeah, I think right after Trump was elected, I told everyone to download Signal, and the same thing happened. We had, like, a group chat, and then three days later, we were back on some highly insecure Korean uh, group chat with weird emojis on it, uh, <laughs> which I hate. Kakao Talk, bad, bad chat app. <laughs> You're but, on notice. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think that it is important to... Uh, I think the most important reason to use encrypted chat is because there are safety in numbers. Um, even if your threat model isn't very high, it makes it much less suspicious for the activists and the people who might get targeted to be using encryption if it's a standard. Yeah, I think it's a good idea. I'm not knocking it, and I, I still use it. I think that most of the people who downloaded it who don't work in the media used it for a day and stopped. And that's kind of the problem. Is like, you need to. Everybody needs to be on the system for it to matter, right? Yeah, like, I think it's because it's getting a message the wrong way. People are like, "Oh yeah, the NSA is going to like spy on your memes and shit." Yeah. And people are like, "Oh, I don't care." You know, group text about like tequila, and they're like, "Oh yeah, that's not." Who yeah, cares? there's probably like a line yeah. in there that could be taken out of context and used. No, but people people thing. don't think that they actually have to worry about it, and that's because it's coming the wrong way. And this is again the false promise of vigilance: is you think that you have to do everything, um, and really being vigilant has to be a lifestyle and has to fit into what it is that you care about. Um, thank you for raising your eyebrow, Adrian. I was, a, I was feeling good about that line there. Uh, you guys should make T-shirts. Yeah, say, motherboard being vigilant is a lifestyle. Yeah, it'd be hot. Just gonna get a tattooed on my forehead. Um, That's a good life choice. Yeah, but uh, no, it's something that's like if you are thinking that you have to do things just because you're stressed out and anxious about it, then it's never going to be something you do long term. And for you know encrypted messaging apps and things like that, it is useful to use them because it is safety in numbers. It also means that for people doing it right, like Signal, which is a good app, the more people that use it also means the app is more successful so it can last long term for the people that need it. So the more people that are using things is good, but it's basically you're investing in other people's safety more so than it is you need to use some sort of secure app because you're worried that the FBI is following you. Remember yeah. that time that homeless guy was oh, following around? Oh, me and Derek got followed yeah. by the FBI one time. Yeah, yeah. That, that was, was just it was just over here. Yeah, that's not hyperbolic like Infowars shit. Like, no, this no, Adrian actually saved my life. Yeah, on this one. This is has a, this story been told? I don't think this story has been told. Can you, you tell you this can story? Tell it yeah, yeah. you can tell it now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This story is fucked. So <laughs> I'm just like, I'll just be Massachusetts with you right now. This story is fucked. It's not though. It's just a normalized story. It scared the okay. piss out of me. Okay, so anyway, so I was gonna go fly to uh, Southeast Asia to meet up a man, uh, an internet drug dealer. Um, and I was going to get meet up with his assistant, whose name is Mr. Nang. And Mr. Nang was going to pick me up in the Bangkok uh, airport and smuggle me and another reporter through a variety of border checkpoints to get to some sort of like jungle palace where this drug dealer lived. 
And, like, we had set it up to, like, we were going to land in a helicopter and he was going to have in the jungle, like, a beautiful, like, table with white cloth, tablecloth on it. I wanted you to the store to yeah. buy, like, peanuts or something. What did he oh, request? Yeah. He, requested, he requested peanuts. He's, he's a Canadian oh, guy. Wait, he wanted peanuts, it. He needed, not peanut butter? No, he needed planters, peanuts, and a glass jar, and okay. I couldn't find a glass jar, and I thought he was going to execute me when I arrived <laughs> because it wasn't. He was very specific about glass jar. So uh, as I was, uh, before I was leaving, I didn't tell anyone that I was doing this because I was actually terrified that, like, because he's wanted, um, or he was wanted, and uh, I was terrified that people are going to find out they were going to go visit him. So no one knew, um, except for, like, three people at, uh, at Motherboard knew that I was going. Um, and I had bought this plane- is a funny yeah. threat model for journalists where it's, like, law enforcement and also other journalists who might get your story <laughs> yeah. before you do. <laughs> and also when you're, like buy like $9,000 of plane tickets in a bar one night because you finally convince your publisher <laughs> to give you a like, blank check because uh, you had enough uh, wine to... Anyway, let's that get that was, part that of the story. Was, you, uh, that, that was a fun night because you were just like, do you think they're going to cut my head off? And we yeah. were like, maybe. Yeah. So anyway, so I was talking to Chris because uh, I was going to shoot this thing, um, like a camera shoot, um, not gun shoot. We'll get to the guns later. Uh, that's unrelated to this story. Right. But a good teaser. Sure. Um, and so I was talking to Chris about how to shoot this thing because it was a one-man band. It's really hard to do. And we were just going to do it all sketchy and it was going to be really crazy and fun. And so we were outside of our office on the street talking because I didn't want anyone in the office to find out because I was worried that were we it was covering our up. mouths like Joe Pesci in the other Yeah, yeah, basically, we're like, mommy, like, yeah, man, so. Um, but this fucking guy comes walking up and starts mumbling at Over us. Over at Brooklyn Brewery. Yeah, yeah, right he just like wanders and beelines across the street and stands right in front of us and just like dead eyes us and is mumbling. And I was like, yeah. this is not cool. So I leave and I go walk to our equipment. Uh, um, no, no, because we took a walk. Yeah. I was like, this dude, let's walk and talk. And yeah. we like walked around. And he found. I feel like he found us again. Yeah, he, he kept he kept appearing. Himself. He would like go up. He'd like walk past us, like in the other direction. Then he would show up in front of us, and he would get yeah. closer to us yeah. as we were talking, but not. Be, he just seemed like a like kind of out of yeah. His mind. So I'm already I was like terrified of going to you know prison in Thailand, and then also this guy's following us around. So I go to our equipment room, get a backpack of cameras, and I was like, I think this guy's following me. Yeah, because he was outside the fucking equipment room. Yeah, and I go up to like, our equipment guy, and he's like, oh, that guy across the street? I was like, no, you fuck with me. And he was actually there. Then hours later, I was walking home in like Greenpoint, like a mile away, and the same guy was following me down the damn street. And I was like, this is fucking too crazy. So I doubled back and like did some spy shit, and I popped out of a bush, and he kept walking. He walked right past me and started mumbling again. It was like, no way, you're following me. And then I walked across the street, hid behind a car, then walked down another street, and he like got lost and came back in the other direction, and then I disappeared. And I was like, this dude's definitely following me. You texted me, and you were yeah. like, he's outside my apartment. And yeah. I was like, dude, fucking... Get out of there. Yeah, get no, I thought I was going to die. Out. I thought I was going to die. So the next day, uh, Adrian and I had a couple glasses of wine, um, and I hopped on a flight. Uh, and as I landed in Abu Dhabi to make a connection to Bangkok, um, my phone had 2G service, thanks to T-Mobile for, like, global plan. It's wow. awesome. Um, I get all these push <laughs> alerts uh, encrypted. And it was Adrian saying, turn back, come home, come home. Because Mr. Nang was arrested while I was in the air. And the fucking Thai military police were chilling in the airport waiting to pick me up. And uh, it was terrifying. And I have no idea if this guy following me has anything to do with anything. But if you're talking about vigilance... Oh, he definitely did. Yeah, muttering yeah. people are definitely like a big threat. Apparently. You know what was crazy? That was that? an insane morning. That was a very yeah. scary morning. It was morning. so yeah. scary. It was so crazy because when that was happening, I was... It's that thing goes through your mind where you're like, we always joke about this, but it can't really be happening. It's yeah. like, oh shit, it's really happening. What the fuck? And just yeah. like laughing. Like kind of laughing it off. But you yeah. were like, I might be like... 
arrested, imprisoned if I... Yeah. Well, anyway, you transferred Well, big shouts to uh, John Lutsky, our lawyer, um, who's fantastic. He had a thumb drive that I handed him with all his uh, documents. I said, if something happens, call these numbers. And he's like, okay, cool, man. <laughs> yeah, cool. See you later. He yeah, doesn't think it's bullshit anymore, though. It's great. Uh, anyway. So you took a flight to Abu Dhabi and then yeah. turned around and came right back home. Yeah, it was a real waste of a weekend, yeah. actually. It was super annoying. Yeah. <laughs> you got that story though. You got a wonderful story now. You told everyone at Motherboard you were going to be gone for like two weeks, and then you were in the office on Monday. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, fake news, man. Yeah. Fake so, uh- hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Um, I'm wondering, I wanted, I wanted to try some crowd play. I don't know if that's even allowed here. Is that a word? Rules. Yeah, it's allowed. That sounds a little bit So I'm, I'm wondering, um, what have you, have you guys done any sort of, uh, of this encryption or changed any of your behaviors after the election? Or do you feel like you need to at all? Just shout it out. Yeah, here, we'll give you a mic. Yeah. Come up here. Say something. Yeah. Yeah. yeah come yeah, here. Come here. Yeah. yeah. What is your name, young man? Can I not give it? Is that okay? Yeah. That's, that's the first. Smart. That's very smart. smart. Yeah. Yeah, I have a cybersecurity uh, degree, so I know what I'm doing a little bit. <laughs> nice. Um, but no, um, actually, uh, I just moved to New York a year and a half ago from D.C., and I worked in that industry. That's as far as I'll take that. Um, uh, but uh, as soon as I got here and I started to meet people and then I started to acquire drug dealers, I immediately told them to start using Signal. And that's the only way I contact any of them is through there. And I use the um, wow. And I use the the passwords, and I say ask them to tell me that, and all that kind of other stuff. And that's all I ever use to talk to people like that. I didn't even think. Do of they that get annoyed angle. with you? These drug dealers are they like happy to uh, go through this extra step um, of security? It took a little <laughs> bit of patience at first because they're not. I'm, I, I'm and I'm not. This is gonna sound like a really stupid sentence, but I'm not lumping all drug dealers together. <laughs> <laughs> That's but good. some of them aren't the brightest ones in the book. They're not bad, actually. Um, well, at least the New York ones. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I had to kind of explain it to them for a second. Be like, hey, download this app. And then I did, it took like a couple of minutes. But once I did, then that's all they ever used. And then a couple of months after that, I asked them. I was like, oh, we're, we're still using it. Do you use it? He's like, yeah, that's all they ever use now. And they had actually completely changed over from whatever they were using before. And all they ever use is that. So it actually started to, like, filtrate into the drug environment of yeah. New York. Oh, um, yeah, which is so smart. That feels like local activism. Very yeah, good. Yeah. Very good work. <laughs> Saving drug dealers one day at a time. Yeah. <laughs> Look, I'm not going to say that I smoke reefer, but <laughs> definitely know a guy who uses that and uh, yeah. uses, uses yeah. drugs. No signal. Same thing. <laughs> According to the government. So, but uh, yeah, no. It, it, I'm going to backtrack from everything. None you, of this happened. <laughs> Wait, delete the tapes. Yeah. Um, no, but you're right. It is a change of a lifestyle, and like some people do hop off on it. But like again, I'm just naturally paranoid because of my former job and my background. So I just know to use that. And uh, like I use things like separate partitions when I'm going and using Tour. 
Um, I'm very vigilant in that sense, but you're right. I don't use it all the time. Like, mm -hmm. like watching porn on there is maybe a little too much. You can do that on incognito mode. You need to, you don't need to go into tour for that. Uh, but uh, too slow. Yeah, I know the VPN <laughs> going through seven things. It's like buffering. It's really annoying. I actually just got back from Europe and I had the same problem because I went on tour and I used the VPN. I'm like, this sucks. I'm not doing it this way. I don't care if the hotel knows I'm looking at it or not. Um, but yeah, uh, you're right though that like. You, you need to segment your life in a certain sense and almost have another identity where you're using those things and then just yeah. do your normal stuff. It's like a little bit of paranoia is healthy because yeah, probably if warranted. If you're only doing but, that, then you're kind yeah. of also targeting yourself because they're like, well, why is he only ever using this? Like, what's he hiding? And so, so yeah. you have like this normal public profile, but then you have this other persona that is other things. Yeah. Anybody else? Yeah. Does anyone else want to speak on a world famous podcast? Just us. Okay, we'll keep talking then. Um, I, we talk a lot at Motherboard about the idea of protecting the future. Mm -hmm. um, what does that mean? Uh, Derek? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, the idea about protecting the future is uh, a very what used to be a simple concept, uh, which is that I think that uh, there was once a point where everyone would agree that we would want our future to be um, a number of things. We'd want it to be more prosperous. We'd want our children to be healthier and more educated. We want our water and air to be cleaner and just generally have an improved life. Like this is the idea of progress and we've always progressed as a human uh, organism on this earth, right? So when we're talking about protecting the future, it's because now people actually, we've always disagreed on how we can make progress, but we've always agreed that progress is good for the most part. Now it feels like everything is torn in so many different directions that people aren't sure even what progress even would be defined as. So when we're talking about protecting the future, one is we want to just make sure that we get there. So, like, you know, we don't have to worry about asteroids per se, but, you know, climate change and, like, catastrophic weather and food system collapse and everything. So that's one thing to worry about. Um, the other thing is just the idea that we would over time slowly see our personal freedoms and our personal ability and mobility um, be eroded just because there's so many different competing interests that we can't actually fight back against. So we're talking about um, protecting the future. It really comes down to protecting opportunity for each one of us and every one of us to come to ensure that we have the freedom to do what we want um, as we continue on. Did you spend a lot of time practicing that? No, I just made that up on the spot. Um, <laughs> no, that yeah. was good. That was very Thank good. Thank you, yeah. Yeah. I think uh, when I think about that, like when I'm writing stories, I always think, like, I don't know what I think. But <laughs> um, when I, like we talk about net neutrality or broadband access because those are topics I cover very often. There is sort of this contingent of people who uh, think that Perhaps one, like, you know, the free market is one way of doing it. And particularly with broadband access, that is shown to not work out. Like, there are places all throughout the country that have only one broadband provider. There are places that have no broadband whatsoever because it all comes down to numbers. And when we think about the future and think about, uh, like, the future of the economy, we think about automation and we think about, you know, you're going to need to be able to compete with a, an internet access, with an internet, a fast internet connection. And to me, I think those are some of the most important things to protect and to make sure that people understand that we need uh, to figure out what's going to happen to people who are displaced uh, by automation. And we're going to need to make sure that towns in middle America don't die simply because they've been passed over by gigantic corporations who have decided that they're not worth investing in. 
Yeah. And that's a very specific thing, but that's what I cover, and so that that's how I've approached it. It's like, we need to find a different model, uh, and there are people who are certainly working on that model. There, you know, There's the Institute for Local Self-Reliance, which has been pushing municipal broadband. There are all these basic income initiatives that have been pushing basic income on you know, smaller municipal levels. Um, and I'm just curious uh, what other organizations you guys have been paying attention to or promoting besides maybe the big ones like ACLU or Planned Parenthood. Well, I, I just want to comment on that, like what you were just talking about real quick, is I think the most one of the more idiotic things about uh, what the Trump administration is doing right now is sticking its head in the sand with regard to the rise of automation. And like you're saying, like preserve the middle of the country when... When automated trucking becomes a reality, you're looking at economic devastation on a level like nobody can comprehend. Because yeah. you're looking at the death of every highway town mm-hmm. along the, the, the major trucking corridors in the United States that literally exist to serve truckers. That like Those places, if you've ever driven through the middle of the country, that are like a Howard Johnson, a McDonald's, a Wednesday, like that's a whole town. Mm-hmm. Like, like Breezewood, ex- Pennsylvania. Yeah, I probably. I've, I've <laughs> and, been to I've been to thousands of them, but like I do not know. And what trucking, that's the start trucking of the is the most like, common job for men in the United States, right? right? Yeah, it's like yeah. how it's many a, people knew that? I blew my mind when I heard that a yeah. while back. It's fucking. Nuts. It's, it's a way to make a, a one like person upper, raise their hand just for the record. So <laughs> credit to that guy. It, it's a way to make a good upper uh, middle class income, yeah. and uh, it is it's going to be gone. Like it's gonna it's going to be devastating. And right now, the approach that they're taking is to just say like we're going to bring coal back and not like we're going to work on you know renewable energy uh, investments and stuff like that it's yeah. profoundly short-sighted well, and it's going to fuck everything up even worse yeah i mean this is the thing that drives me insane is that there's definitely opportunity for a booming economy far into the future with tons of jobs and everyone is rich and corporations get rich and people can get rich but it's investing in the future economy that everyone has jobs are going to last for the next hundred years and rethinking about even how we think about work is also crucial and not in the sense of like turning everyone into a contractor that all of a sudden is like working 17 jobs like an app is telling them like to go somewhere and like (laughs) runs their life but it's thinking how do we invest in actually things are going to last for the next century and that's how we can guarantee prosperity for most Americans and ensure that we're going to have something we're built and rather than doing that we're just sticking our head in the sands as you're saying and say well we, this other shit worked in the past let's keep doing it it's, so, it's, like, it's so profoundly stupid yeah. I mean just I, I, it really like frustrates me into like choking on my own rage like Mo in that episode of The Simpsons that one time but like it like how the hell like can yeah. you sit there and go like we're just going to bring these things back that worked in the past when everything well, you know I mean yeah. I guess the I guess the answer is to say like science isn't real fuck science yeah. like let's defund uh, you know let's close the EPA because what are they doing for us but yeah. No, I mean, I think that's it. It's like it's, uh, I think there's a just existential dread everywhere in the world right now, and this comes in and out of just like cycles of humanity. But it, if everyone is fearful of the future, they're not based on a premise that the future is actually going to be better. Like for the first time, there's like a majority of Americans are worried that their kids' futures will be worse than theirs. And that was like two or three years ago that came out. And that explains everything else afterwards. Is people are scared that the future won't be good. And so we're not thinking, let's build a future that is strong. We're thinking, let's just trench, like, you know, let's uh, retreat and, like, you know, build up a wall on sort take care of our own shit rather than thinking I mean, the wall to, yeah the wall i didn't mean that the, wall no but, but like, the you know, wall yeah. is like a perfect metaphor for everything yeah. wrong 
yeah. with this approach. It's like we're just going to do our own yeah. thing and do what we've been doing and no, no. nothing will hurt us, you know? Yeah, like rather than thinking that we can continue to innovate and continue to get better. And I don't mean innovate in fucking Silicon Valley nonsense way, but just like literally making the world better and more successful and more efficient. People assume that that can't happen. So they're like, you know what? Well, let's just back up and let's just say, you know, whatever. I got to get mine for now because everything's going to collapse. And, right. And, uh, uh, I, I mean, don't believe that. I, don't, I fundamentally do not well, believe that just the collapse reality, is imminent. Right. The reality yeah, that you we do. exist. <laughs> no, I don't, I'm not like a Michael Rupert guy, but like, it, like the fact that we exist in like a, an evolving world yeah. is ignoring that is I do agree with Chris that the lack of our ability to have a rational and real conversation about automation is going to come back at us in a big way uh, and Obama didn't talk about automation until like his exit speech like in a big way and we really do need to start thinking about we don't need to vilify automation because it's great. We, like, we don't need to be driving trucks if they can drive themselves, but we do need to figure out what we're going to do with those people. We need to either re-educate them, retrain them, or figure out a basic income structure. And that is something that has had absolutely no discussion on a national level whatsoever. Uh, it's starting to take place in Europe, but it's going to happen. Uber's going to do it. Uber's already working on driverless trucks. They've, uh, they bought a company called Auto, and they've already done their first deliveries. It's going to happen, and we're not going to be prepared for it at all. It's going to happen in, like, two years. Yeah, like, it's, it's not so going to happen in, like, ten years. It's going to happen, like, tomorrow. Just yeah. look at look at drones. Like, look at the guys who fly drones, right? No, see, I mean, I, I know everybody, like, classic motherboard. Like, look at the drones, man. But, like... like <laughs> There's a bong sound effect. Think about, think about the... Think about... Technically, a Hellfire missile, Derek. Please. <laughs> but, like, think about... Think about... Think about, um, oh, did you say bong sound effect? Or? Yeah, bong, yeah. Oh, I thought you said bomb. <laughs> I thought Hellfire was a strain of reefer. <laughs> it should be. We're on two I, different wavelengths. Somebody right get now. on it, guys, yeah. in Colorado. Like, come on, what are you doing? Hellfire, it's a cross between a uh, heavy sativa and like a mild indica. Anyway. Hey, do you guys at, work in Vice? I, I work, I'm working on Weed Kit right now, so I'm just, <laughs> it's in the brain, yeah, you know? But, uh, but um, the, Adrian uh, does the outline, do drugs. <laughs> nice. But if you look at the guys who who trained and planned their whole lives to be pilots who wound up flying drones, and I get—I mean, I don't know this for a fact, but I assume that there's less of a less of a demand for pilots in the classic sense. The people who fly the soon-to-be-released F-35, which is a giant nightmare, so I don't know why anybody would want to fly. I anybody, watched a like, play starring um, what's her face, the Princess Diaries person. Oh, I met her at the London airport one time, Heathrow. <laughs> Anne Hathaway? Uh, Anne Hathaway, yeah, Anne Hathaway. I, I knew you'd know that. So Anne Hathaway did a one-woman show. She's had many roles. And yeah. not, I think she was nominated for Academy Award, goddammit. For Princess Diaries? It. Wait, what uh, <laughs> Wait, what did she win for? Oh, she was so fucking good in that. Oh. So anyway, She was. It made me cry in the theater. Christopher. Because I'm a snow... I'm a, hey, I'm a snowflake. Um, no, Anne Hathaway was in a one-woman show uh, in Manhattan somewhere, the big city, last year, where she played a drone pilot. Or she played a, like an F-35 pilot or some sort of uh, fighter pilot yeah. who was automated out of her job, and she had to go sit in a drone booth. Like, and she just hated it. She couldn't deal with not being in the air anymore, yeah. which is... Uh, not really. Speaking that. of I mean, which, flying a fighter jet would be sick. Let's be real. Yeah. Speak, uh, speaking that of that afterburner, yeah. Am I right? Well, on the F thirty five though, there's like no, a, no, 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 not that shit. Yeah, it's not a good plane. Yeah. But uh, Donald Trump yeah. doesn't even like the F thirty five, or do, yeah. does he? I forget. No, it doesn't like it. Doesn't like. Doesn't it. like. He's it. right though. He's right about that. Yeah, yeah. it's a bad. Plane. Hurts to say, right? Very expensive. But um, uh, <laughs> speaking of which, have you seen? I, 
just completely like not sort of related. Adrian, the look on your face right now. Adrian's very angry. I want her to start. Just in terms of drone movies, I think most of them are bad. But I saw Eye in the Sky recently, and I thought that that was phenomenal, and that everyone should watch that movie to get a good kind of grip on the drone war. Sorry, I didn't see it. It's fantastic. So let's talk about the internet really quickly, though. Okay. So here's the thing. No one wants to say this. It's very simple truth. We had already said this before. Sometimes there's truth. Are you going to drop the microphone after you say this? Yeah. I'm going to throw a smoke bomb and run away. Okay. And then Uh, sunglasses are going to come down. And a man is going to be following me around outside. It's going to be terrifying. Uh, But, uh, yeah, sorry. I got freaked out about the man again. No, but so the internet. (laughs) Uh, If you're a young person in the world today and you think you have, you know, 30 years left in whatever working life you have or 40 years left, you have to have good internet. It's that simple. It sounds like, like I want my Netflix type of thing, but you literally need good internet to survive or you will not. And we see it all across the country, stories of towns that literally have no infrastructure for a digital economy, then just slowly erode away all of their jobs and then they collapse faster and faster and faster and then it burns. And so we need to make sure that everything, and the burns burn up out of California. Some of these burn. I'm from California. Everything's burning there all the time. It's fucking nuts. <laughs> but... Um, but the problem is, uh, yeah, so everyone needs internet to ensure that they're going to have access to the economy for the future. That's a very simple truth. Everyone needs it. And yet, in Congress, we have these fuck sticks in there that are just saying, <laughs> we're going to sell out internet infrastructure and literally bar communities from building their own internet. So you're saying a community wants to invest in like the railroad of tomorrow, you know? And they literally, it's illegal for them to do that, as you reported on many times, Jason. Well, didn't and something it's just absolutely come down, mind-boggling. Didn't something just come down the pipeline that they're taking away? Uh, the, FCC had FCC. a rule in which uh, the ISPs could not mm-hmm. subsidize uh, broadband for poor people, what which is lovely. Is, what is that? Like, what is what is, uh, like, is what it is. The, so, the ISP okay. can't fund, like, a, a community program the for... The new chairman of the FCC is, like, a little mini-Trump. He's, like, sending... I, Micro-Trump. He, they're sending so many press releases that are just, like... Adjipai. He wrote an insane Medium post, but, sorry. He's just, like, issuing these, like, ex- equivalent of the F- FCC's executive orders being like, this will not go on any longer. This will not go on any longer. I have an important question that maybe you guys can answer. What do the... What does, like, the troll army, like, the, the Pepe's and, like, the Donald's and the red pill MRA types, what do they think of... The one thing, one of the things they cherish, like their internet access. No, everyone needs internet. It's agreed across so, the board. But they, I think you the would question think. that Chris is trying to ask before I let him finish it is, what do they think about Donald Trump destroying net neutrality? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's TBD, but I think that that is certainly something that uh, may be a wedge between like the Donald and uh, their God Emperor. Can I ask another question? Yes. How the fuck did they not see that coming? <laughs> Um, They're I, I all do not. 17. It's profoundly stupid. Like, they have I, very limited life experience. Like, you're not going to be able to get optimum upload-download no, rates it. while you're playing Xbox Live, man. He's going to yeah, take I mean, it away. The, the class and neutrality is going to be a universally diaper-filling moment. Yeah. But uh, So I was thinking <laughs> earlier today, I had a really, uh, I had a thought uh, it's winter, and so people go skiing during the winter, I think. And I think everyone has gone skiing at some point, and 
tried to send like a work email from a cabin that doesn't have good Wi-Fi or tried to just do like a very basic task at some like weird cabin place that doesn't have good Wi-Fi. Imagine if that was your like experience every day. Like that's what a lot of people are dealing with. They're dealing with like satellite internet that takes forever to do anything. And they either have to have a local job or they have to have no job because Amazon has destroyed a lot of local like stores. They've destroyed a lot of local businesses in that way, as have you know the coal. The coal is gone, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So we need internet everywhere. Like imagine if that was your life, it'd be bad. Anyways, we have about like three minutes left, I think. So does anyone have any uh, final thoughts? Uh, my final thought is Adrian should sing uh, "Africa" by Toto right now. Mm. That's right. Bum, bum, I was, bum, 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 bum. Okay, Some kind of acapella would be nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah we should certainly. Yeah. Can I really song. regret saying that? Let's go three minutes again. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, thank you, everyone, for coming. This is uh, this has been very fun. Um, this has been our very first live podcast, and probably our last. <laughs> oh, come on! No, no, it was good. It was it was good. Everyone clap. Please clap. <laughs> Please, Please clap. clap. <laughs> Thank you. You're the Jeb yeah. Bush of podcasts. Yes, yeah. exactly. Uh, also, lightning round. Oh, yeah. Um, lightning round. Everyone share a vigilance tip. Let's just close this off on this vigilance idea. What's one tip in your daily life? Uh, mine is the Joseph Cox tip, which is if you're going to communicate with anyone, use an iPod Touch. iPod Touch, most secure device. Wow. wow! Didn't know that. Joseph Cox. Yeah. Uh, Joseph Cox is a security reporter for Motherboard for world famous. Yeah. World famous. Yes, you can We're find him on YouTube. Sure if he's the a only, real person. He lives the, on the internet. The only time his visage has been captured. There's one yeah. video of him. Um, my tip would be: I always feel a little bit safer when my communications are broken. So I'm like that annoying friend who like hits you on WhatsApp, and then the next message is on Signal, and the next message is a Twitter DM, and that that makes me feel like. At least if they're trying to put together some information on me, they have to go to a bunch of different places. I didn't know that you were doing that on purpose. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Mine is not really related to tech. It's just uh, stay loud, stay pissed, be out there, be seen, be heard. And uh, if you feel like inspired to create art, whether it be like a song or a piece on medium or uh, a story <laughs> like this is this yeah. is this what I believe like I yeah. think the important thing it's important to be safe but it's important to be loud as fuck so you can't be ignored that's something I want yeah. to talk about we don't have time but these like all National Park Service Twitters and stuff like people oh, yeah. who are keeping themselves anonymous who are not even in danger at all we should focus on the people who are speaking out with their own name on the record like, there are a lot of scientists and even ex-government employees and current government employees who are putting their self out there all the time. We should support them, and we should listen to them, and we should be skeptical of what an anonymous Twitter account says. I agree. Yeah. Once the anonymous, uh, the alt-White House thing started, they put up a thing, and they were like, how many people would buy T-shirts? I was like, this is fucking bullshit. Like, there's no way this is legit. And yeah. everyone should have said that. You can that still buy my vitamins. Yeah. <laughs> so the only vigilance tip I have for vigilance as a lifestyle is literally just to Being think of the things ends. that you think of the things that you hold most dear, and then focus on those. Yeah. All right. Thank you, everyone, for coming. We are Radio Motherboard. You can subscribe on all podcasts. Uh, and thank you, everyone who I know who's here. Thank you for coming out. Everyone in the crowd is very beautiful. 